No. I'm not worried at all. I rely on God, Allah. Bismillah, alhamdulillah, wa salatu wa salamu ala rasulallah. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Alhamdulillah, today we have with us a multi-talented, multi-capable sheikh hailing all the way from Sydney, Australia. Our sheikh that joins us today uh, is formally trained and is educated in Sharia, in Arabic, in Islamic judiciary, political theory. And in addition to that, uh, he is a lawyer uh, specializing in corporate and commercial law. And uh, without further ado, I would like to welcome onto the program Sheikh Abu Adnan. Welcome, Sheikh. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Wa alaikum assalam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. I am glad to be here and with you on this interview. It took a Mashal- lot. <laughs> yes, yes, mashallah. And we're able to, because of the barakah of technology, able to link up from like the farthest end of the world. So <laughs> Canada to Australia, I think that's probably one of the longest flights you could ever go on <laughs> is to go between Canada and Australia. But subhanAllah, uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has provided us a way to link up. I've heard great things about you actually. Um, uh, I met a, uh, a brother in the Khalij who's a student of yours uh, when he spent some time in Australia. So I've always heard good things about you and it's actually a pleasure for us to have you on the program and we appreciate you I'm taking time. That, yeah. I know you have a very busy schedule and uh, Eid's on the horizon Eid as well. Eid is tomorrow and my wife is going crazy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there you go. She so subhanAllah, yeah. yeah. How, how is... Um, well, let's start off with that. Like, how is um, uh, Eid going to be in Australia with all the COVID regulations? Like, we have every country has their own regulations and how they're dealing with it. How is the Muslim community dealing with uh, COVID uh, where you are in Sydney, Australia? Which I, I'm under the impression has the largest population of Muslims in Australia. Yeah, New South Wales, um, uh, the state of New South Wales first and uh, Victoria second in the number of Muslims. Uh, who reside in these states. Um, it, it has been um, a very difficult time actually to pr- perform uh, the basic ibadat in congregation. Um, Alhamdulillah, came to a stage where we were over it, but now looks like there is a second wave that it hit Victoria badly and um, Sydney was starting to build momentum, which is a negative momentum, of course, um, mm. where the numbers are increasing. Therefore, now new restriction came in. So I doubt that will be a proper Eid Salat. Um, I know it'd be very hard so uh, to do Eid Salat. Um, that's one thing. Also, in terms of visitation, like we already having arrangements in, in my house when all my family coming, um, with the number 20, so who you're going to eliminate? We have maximum 20 visitors, mm. so who you're going to eliminate at Eid? It's just not um, not very good time. We already missed um, Eid al-Fitr, and now Eid al-Adha comes along um, with this Allah al-Musta'an. Yani we just um, we just need all of us to work together, and um, Alhamdulillah, we would just count this 2020 as one of the calamities. I'm sure in the Muslim Ummah they are far worse people in far worse situation um, than just the restrictions we're having with with COVID. We have many brothers and sisters are in far worse situation that we are in. So we thank Allah for everything and uh, we do our best, alhamdulillah, and we, we need as Muslims, as religion and purity and hygiene 
to lead in this area to show that um, uh, we are the most who take care of um, uh, uh, the restrictions and, and adhere to them and follow them strictly. So, Sheikh, uh, you, you mentioned something that uh, I think is very introspective, that there are many people who are dealing with far worse. Have you found that uh, the Muslim community at this time with COVID have made those types of introspections and become more sympathetic to the plight of Muslims elsewhere in the world? Like, for example, Australia, you're very close to China and they're uh, suffering greatly in China, the Muslims there. So have you found the community uh, become more sympathetic themselves going through this type of plight? I, I, generally speaking, um, there are always the individuals and the organizations who uh, use the the issues with COVID to um, to to show the other side that if you are suffering, they are suffering more. Um, but the general awareness and um, uh, we becoming because we're part of a bigger world now and we're all connected as one. So the inherent problems that um, all the Muslims are facing, which is becoming a um, little bit individualistic in their thinking, it's becoming um, following a hype when it's there. Um, for example, when there is a hype throughout the world, uh, everyone runs with the hype and they forget these you know, maybe before COVID, it was the issue of some uh, sisters who stuck in Syria or the brothers and sisters in China were always on social media and people engaged with it. And then once um, COVID came, it's like social media stopped. All of a sudden, the community discussion around these issues slows down. And that is uh, gives you an indication that, hang on, we are, um, we need, we need more awareness. We, we can't just be swayed by hype and I, and I find this is becoming not only um, uh, in Australia, it's, it's all over the world. It's like Muslims just run with hype and this mm. is not the case. I'm not talking about every person or I'm not making an accusation to anyone, but I'm talking about from the general outlook in my view that actually due to the hype um, of COVID, it seems the average person, they need to be reminded all the mm. time that hang on this is nothing compared to this mm. um, yes you need to take care of this but don't be just following hype uh, mm. do your what you need to do but at the same time you shouldn't take your eyes from the bigger picture or from mm. um, what's been happening in other places and because you said that this is actually uh, something that we've discussed in the podcast before how do we overcome this conditioning? Like, so, so for example, you're absolutely correct. Like we have very short attention spans and we jump on the bandwagon of the latest, greatest cause, even though that cause may be very legitimate and it's a, a very legitimate cause to stand up for. So for example, we have, uh, I, I'm, not, I'm not sure if this is reflected in Australian uh, society as well, but here, especially in North American and in UK, we hear about this as well, about uh, standing up for civil rights, especially against black people, you know, racism, colorism, these sorts of things. So now Muslims have jumped on onto this, many uh, of them. And uh, again, it becomes very, very focused on just this one particular issue where perhaps like an ummah based perspective is a little bit more comprehensive when we speak about justice 
it, you know, as a as a principle, you know, as a, as a concept, right? Which is inclusive uh, of this. So I, it seems that um, people are conditioned uh, to just go to the next thing without maybe establishing any real lasting change. You, you know what I mean? So, for example, we had issue with uh, uh, obviously we've had the Palestinian issue always come up and then it goes up and then it goes down. We have, uh, you know, this issue in China. We have this Black Lives Matter and this racism issue now here, especially in North America. COVID. So how, how do we overcome this conditioning and try to work towards lasting change? Because that's not a very easy process to endure. Um, it's, it's actually a very important question. Um, it would require like 50 interviews. <laughs> it would require a PhD thesis. Seriously, yeah. because yes. it's actually, yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't like to to, to point the fingers at the at the average person on the street who yes. goes up to work, does the nine hours, get paid, go home, go to the masjid, pray, shall wake up, pray, 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 pray. The average person on the street is conditioned according to the collective um, mind of the people around him or her. This here, it requires the leaders and yes. the ones who are leading the da'wah, the, the ones who are in control of what we, we call in Arabic al-khitab al-islami, the Islamic discussion, the narratives, the, the, the khutab, uh, the lectures, the talk. The, um, when these um, a group of people, this specific group of people become um, like the layman in following hype, then you do have mm -hmm. a big problem. And in certain instances, when you say in the UK and in Canada, um, it's very important to know that what happens in the UK, Australia, usually after two, three years, just follow through. So Muslims in Australia will all be, always be following what's happening in the UK. So if you see mm -hmm. a group pop up with a certain ideology in the UK, it's going to be reflected in Australia in a year or two. Mm -hmm. Because it just, it just becomes trend to be followed. And... Um, going against the trend sometimes for a leader is hard and for mm. an, an imam sometimes gets hostage by um, his followers and that is where the problem where the leaders need to have way to have uh, maturity and understanding and focus and actually direct the masses then you have another challenge the leaders themselves are, f are, are challenged by the social media that is imposing on you a narrative that everyone follows um, and this is um, the answer isn't easy but it has to go from leadership back to the layman that this is what you should be thinking about mm. this is what you uh, need um, to do uh, yes COVID is important or whatever is important but we need to focus on this we can't lose the bigger picture and this mm. is where the leaders need to step up and if you do, if, for example, let's just say tomorrow is not either Friday and you go to the massage and you take um, uh, the, 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 the subject of the khutab, you'd find that the speech is not even meeting um, the issues that, that should be talked about. And then the layman, it, either they are bored from the same topic or they or um, they're going to follow through what is said. And if they follow through, they are already 
um, diverted from what they should be doing and they should be thinking about. So yes, it does start from leadership and then putting means like this podcast show or like social media, um, powerful social media tools to keep the, 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 the average Muslim focused on uh, the, 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 the Islamic agenda or mm. what is supposed to, or the project that um, could be um, supporting uh, the bigger picture mm. or the real problem. But to expect the person on the street who just, you know, Muslim, good Muslim, uh, pays their zakat, do everything, they pray five times a day, support their local masjid, this person needs direction. Yes. And who's going to give them that direction? Um, but when you find some of the leaders who um, they just like the layman in their way of following hype, then don't expect too much. It's, a, it's mm-hmm. uh, unfortunately, uh, I don't like. I'm not going to draw to draw a rosy picture. I'm just gonna tell you things how they are. Cold. Yes. Yes. Uh, like, uh, how is uh, currently? Um, you know the the condition right now in Australia. Are are you also having anti-racism protests there in Australia? We we did have, and actually a lot of them are getting also litigated in courts because the government trying to stop them. They suing the government so they can get a mm. permission, and it's been back and forth in the Supreme Court. We but we've been we had a few protests. There were successful protests. Many Muslim civil libertarians also joined civil libertarians um, uh, in support of this cause. I mean, look, it's a it's a great cause, of course. No one uh, disputes it is uh, that it is not a great cause uh, for um, you know to, to eradicate racism. But there are also other causes that a Muslim need to focus on, and um, and 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 as much as we. My concern is that we are spending time and energy, and I'm not again saying people should not be uh, supporting anti-racism causes, but what I'm saying is we need to have management of our resources because you only have, since you, we live in the West, we only have number of people who are active and have the time to do stuff. So you mm-hmm. need to manage their resources well. Otherwise, if their resources here in, in for example, uh, and uh, the, the, the protests um, uh, to support anti-racism takes your energy, all your energy. Okay, what's the next step? Where are you moving after that? Okay, we wasted, we put so much energy here. What about that project that we've been working on for three, four years? Now, what do we do with that? We'll just leave it there. This is sort of, again, go back to being organized, go back to um, leadership, go back to Al-Wa'i, um, and, and, and our scholars have something very important. They say it's a great principle of Islam, meaning to, to have an understanding, to have maturity, to have planning and knowing um, before you do anything, before mm. you even move your finger, before you you click like or share or whatever it is, or even going out on protest. We need to understand where we're going with this because this is energy that is burnt that mm. could be somewhere else. Mm. Um, it. it, it but it's, it's just, um, it feel that it's, it's some sort of subconscious, you just follow. Yes. You know, it seems like uh, we're really ready to go into always crisis mode. Like we're we're only really operationalized to a, 
you know, when we're responding to some type of crisis, you know, then, exactly. then we have the energy to get everyone together. But if you say, hey, why don't we sit down and think about how we can do some strategic planning to have a long t- term, um, you know, advocacy plan for the Muslim okay, community. Or how- you're becoming yeah. boring now. That's yeah. the problem. Yeah, That's exactly. But, but what you're talking about is the right thing, right? What yeah. you're talking about is exactly yeah. you do not open a business without strategic planning. But when it comes yes. to Dean, yes, everyone is, you know, yes. everyone has a plan. <laughs> yes. Yeah, exactly. And there's and, no strategy. There are no resources. There's nothing. We just yeah, and 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 this is it. And we become like triple zero, you know, in Australia. It's an emergency. So when you need something, you, you call like nine one one. You know, we just yeah. yell at nine one one. Give me five hundred people. Come support the protest. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. I, unfortunately, but yeah, I mean, uh, Subhanallah. Yeah. So, uh, like, uh, because I know you're um, from what we see, uh, you know, with the Muslims have to endure an Australian community. It seems like this is looking from afar. It seems like the society is a little bit more antagonistic. Like in Canada, we do have issues. Like we, you know, just like in New Zealand, there was the the Christchurch massacre. There was a, the Quebec mosque shooting. I'm not sure if you're aware of that. This happened, mm-hmm. you know, uh, a few years ago. And uh, we had, uh, you know, uh, six brothers who were killed in, in that masjid. So, like, we do have, like, you know, Islamophobia, we do have uh, this type of like far right, you know, type of rhetoric. But from the outside looking in, it seems that Australia, they they even have a little bit more, I would say, of like a harsher attitude towards Muslims. Uh, do we have a correct perspective? Like, how do you feel uh, living there? Do you feel that there is uh, a latent antagonism against Muslims in Australia? Um. <clears throat> Look, definitely the um, the dominant media outlets in Australia are the far the, the right wing yeah. um, media, uh, who usually um, uh, um, uh, jump on the bandwagon to anything that is phobic, uh, whether it's the Chinese or whether it's the Muslims, whether it's uh, the African black gangs, which is mm. what back in Victoria. And um, so they do push that narrative, which is um, uh, uh, um, racist narrative at times um, that they have that. And yes, there was a time that Muslims, especially um, uh, from 2000 and between 2000 and uh, uh, 2001 after September 11 all the way to um, about 2016 or 17 um, it was just every day every day mm-hmm. every day till today it still exists I mean I know for a fact graduates from university um, law students graduate they actually change their name so they can get a job because if your name is wow. Muhammad or uh, Abdullah or Khadija, good luck. You know, yes. like you're on probably at times your option is to go to a, a firm that is run by Muslims or the leaders of Muslims for you to get a, a chance. Mm-hmm. I'm not uh, again generalizing because a lot of big firms are now started to or you know they started to change their policies and and, and focus on taking ethnics including muslims um, we see some of the advertising like uh, bank advertising uh, ironically bank advertising and others um uh, uh, sisters with hijab so 
there are a strong movement um, amongst big corporations to to, mm. to 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 show diversity and to move into diversity mm. and many clients now they don't come to you if you're not showing some kind of diversity in the way of your mm. employment but we still uh, a long way behind. I can't draw a comparison between Australia and America and Canada because I haven't lived in these countries. I haven't experienced mm. them. But, um, uh, but um, um, it is now a little bit better than before, and slowly mm. it's getting better. And Muslims are generally. Um, it, it's it's usually um, also in in the chronology of migration um, in Australia and probably in other countries that every. Every, for example, if you go back from the time of the Italians um, or the Irish, the Irish copped it very hard in Australia, then the Italians copped it very hard, then the Vietnamese copped it when they came, then come mm. the Arabs and then the Muslims in due to September 11 and, uh, and, mm. and, and the subsequent events. So mm. <clears throat> that is one of the, the uh, for uh, the Muslims, it, it, it just their migration really started from the eight seventy eighties onwards, so they didn't come mm. at an early time, um, and they were sort of the latest migrants, so they they they're the ones um, to be picked on. And then um, you get um, now where the Muslim community you, you start to have the second and the second and maybe some third generation. Um, they all moving from. The, the, the sort of working class to more academic educated and they taken up positions, which is you start to see the change and you mm. start to see things change differently um, uh, uh, with time to come. But, mm. you, but my message would be don't take your foot off um, the accelerator. Keep going. Mm. That's the only way. Once you mm. stop, you're going backwards. Keep mm. going, keep working, keep strategizing, keep doing and don't let anyone take your rights. Just go and get it legally. Mm. Yes, of course. Uh, so what we find here uh, in the West is that we find uh, the Muslims are almost stuck in between a rock and a hard place. I would say, generally speaking, actually towards Islam, it's become more intolerant. I remember because I'm born and raised here, and I remember like uh, before it. They would be more open to your identity and your practices. But mm -hmm. it seems as time has progressed, the rock and the hard place that Muslims find themselves is that now you have this emerging um, far right or very conservative outlook, which has this antagonistic view of Muslims. And then you have these open arms of people who are, you could say, liberal and they have these liberal views and tolerant, except your diversity can only be superficial. So uh, you still ha have to believe in like their core principles. So you can look different. Like, so they're gonna have promote women in hijab that look different, uh, you know, people like maybe in a beard, different colors and, and whatnot, but everyone needs to think the same. You can't come in with your own principles. You have to like kind of subjugate everything you believe uh, to their altruistic, principle narrative, right, of whatever, um, you know, mm -hmm. liberal principles that they have. So it's like you kind of find yourself in this between this rock place, uh, rock and this hard places that these conservatives, they may actually share more of your uh, values, but then they're antagonistic uh, towards you. Then you have these people who have these open arms and they bring you in, oh, come to us, but hey, you got to leave your, 
you know, your identity, your soul at the door, but you can look whatever you want on the outside and come in. So this is what we find the community here between this rock and a hard place. Do you see this similar uh, issue happening in Australia? And if so, how do we, from a leadership perspective now, because like, you know, as leaders, we want to uh, come up with maybe some strategic thinking. How do we navigate through this? Um, identity is the most, the, the, the toughest battle you can ever fight. Um, to preserve your identity. And that is where I think the whole argument is about um, what the, the, what you're saying is, as a Muslim, I have my identity. And if I have my identity, and what I mean with identity, which includes your values, your morals, your, your, your ethics, your view on life, your aqidah, your understanding, um, it's all part of who you are, your identity. So it is a problem of first, um, many Muslims, they haven't sought out their own issues when it comes to their own identity and what they st stand for. And what you see today from people who are actually melting to becoming civil libertarian and their identity, it, it's undistinguishable from the, the 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 person, the civil libertarian who actually could carry carry some uh, uh, moral values, which is in contradiction with Islam, mm. and then we find a way so we can meet that, even if it means compromising you. Then this is because you haven't sorted out your own identity. You don't know who you are yet. If you know who you are and you have your identity, there is no problem working with um, a. Um, uh, civil libertarian on certain issues like we I always advocated even for example you belong to a certain Islamic school certain madhab certain way of view mm. it does not mean I cannot <clears throat> work with somebody who I don't agree with on everything because mm. we're working for a bigger picture and the same standard you can apply for working with civil libertarians I agree with you on these things so let's work on these things but this step only comes after you work out what is uh, what's you what, what the ulama called thawabit wa mutaghayyirat you, you gotta know your thawabit first if your thawabit are, are, are not um, thawabit then you do have a problem. If, if, you, if your constants are not constants and they are movable and expandable, then that's that this problem goes back to um, go back to the first step that you, the person, don't know who you are, literally, mm -hmm. and you are with the hype. You, civil libertarian comes, we join them. Yeah, okay, but you know, you, you can. Islam allows you certain space. And and that is go back to Tarbiya. And I, I, I think there is where the, the issue is here, you, you, you get many um, academics or uh, let's just say um, uh, brothers and sisters who, att who attend, for example, university study, but they have not been throughout their life exposed to Islamic teachings, teachings that cement their identity. And then once they go to the, to the world, they, they also start to adopt the dean more because now they're over that stage of you, the, the stage of teenagers. They start become adopted in, but what are they adopting? Mm. Is it the Islam that um, uh, uh, validated by the scholars, or just they pick up a bit here, bit there, bit here, bit there, and they form their own identity and they work um, along uh, uh, and and they work accordingly? So it is first we need 
to work out our identity, work out what we want to do, and then according to your strategy and your plan, you cooperate. You do not cooperate if that cooperation not going to you to be in the benefit of your um, what you're doing. It does not mean you oppose it. You just stay neutral. Say, okay, mm. um, why do I need um, uh, um, to, to, to join? What I need is to create my own space that is according to my values and use the means that are available to me and use um, all and, and there are many means, whether it is working with this group or working with that group or make, a, for example, a, a statement against that group, then it become part of um, that is spawned from your identity and and from the space you create. You, it's not mandatory on you to join a certain space. You make your own space and then you move forward. Mm. So but, for the but Australian, say, this, this takes this takes a lot of work. It's not easy. So for the uh, average uh, Australian Muslim, do you feel that their identity is moving towards a stronger direction? Look, what is the trend right now for the Muslim community in Australia? Do you feel that they're becoming stronger with their Muslim identity, or do you think the direction is in the other way? Which which direction? Well, generally, yes, Muslims are becoming more aware. Although the attendance to Islamic lectures and centers is reducing due to internet, due mm. to people have access to this information. Um, but yes, um, especially in um, you know in the, in the professional world and in uh, on the on the street, Muslims are more and more holding on to their identity and mm. whether they are holding on to with knowledge or with ignorance that's a different issue but yes and mm. and they are but what we need to do as community leaders or people who who have uh, power to speak to the masses we need to always correct that check correct it and make sure they are doing the right thing mm. they're not falling into any of the extremes and they create their own identity and and put their foot down um accordingly what, what would you say has been the most success successful dawa or tarbiyah programs that has helped that help you know and strengthen the muslim identity and uh, for the muslims in australia spe look, specific to maybe your community uh, look um there are there are many um channels and the good thing is and i'm very happy with our community that Alhamdulillah, we do have a lot of creative brothers and sisters. I mm. can't tell you what a specific thing, but I can tell you it's a collective of things. For example, even podcasts like this, even, uh, for example, our brothers and sisters in one path, uh, the masajid, the mosques. Um, I can speak from my own experience when I wanted to make Markaz Imam Ahmed as a project. I wanted it to, for example, to be self-sustained, to have a, a level that is colleges that teaches Islam and teaches Quran and teaches um, young kids and then have a musalla on top. Mm. And alhamdulillah, mm. by yani, the, the, the will of Allah and his blessings subhanahu wa ta'ala and the support of the brothers and sisters, we were able to establish something like that, which is now it's very influential in the area. And mm. all of our students um, come out very well educated. They have a good uh, Islamic identity 
and and here I don't use the word moderate in uh, in yeah yeah I mean they're not falling into any of the extremes. Um, they they have a good understanding. They contribute to the wider community. They and this is the sort of things we need to push forward. But to get someone to that level, it takes a lot of hard work. It has to start from the beginning. Um, these centres like this and others, of course, there are plenty in Sydney who are doing the same role. Um, they are very important events, community events, all of this, it has shaped and has moved things to the better. And one of the most important things that I found um, part of me being in um, with the Imam Council and, and, and meeting a lot of people, that the Muslim community in Australia, that if they do a mistake, they learn from it, they don't repeat it. Mm. And this is a good thing that because we're all going to make mistakes in Dawa, everyone going to make mistakes like yes. humans. And we only we, you keep learning even if you're 70 uh, how to do Dawa and what you need to do. Um, and generally the community learns from its mistake and, and it doesn't happen by planning. It happened just by um, intuition, by just trial and error. And, and you see yeah. then we're moving back into the right direction and which is good which is very important, um, but we need to step up to a higher level and we need to step up to more. But inshallah, I don't, you know, I don't doubt that in time we have so many good brothers and sisters who are who, who studied overseas or who are here and um, who stepping up to the plate. And um, and and I have a lot of hope for them because they do have, as they say in Australia, they have their head um, secured on properly. Mm. Yes, is, is, is do they do you uh, have uh, the desire within your uh, com community as a whole? Like, is there a collaboration? Do people like the different centers, Islamic centers, try to work out, work you know, reach out to one another and work with each other? It is much, much better than um, uh, between nineteen ninety five and two thousand and eight, two thousand and ten like mm -hmm. that era and i don't want to say anything controversial but yeah. you had a lot of people who advocate to cut off all um ties with people who don't agree with them you know what i mean mm -hmm. you probably know yeah. exactly what i'm talking about then yes, yes after, that, after all the tests and the negativity that you you you, you mentioned that um the antagonism against Muslims, it actually forced them to unite, forced mm. them to work together, forced them to abandon ideas that could cause separation. It didn't force you to compromise your belief, but it opened your mind that, hang on a minute, mate, you can open up, you can work with others. Um, they're your brothers and sisters. They just view things differently or they were born in a country they were not exposed to the type of knowledge that you were you were exposed to or their parents did not teach them so let's um keep teaching what we're teaching but but let us not um fight amongst each other let us work together and and actually yes we have achieved that alhamdulillah i can say it with confidence we have achieved alhamdulillah you see now the sufi and the Salafi and the Tablighi and all of that, they sit together, they work together. They still have their own way of thinking. No mm. one can infringe on that. It's what you do in your Musalla, it's up to you or in a mosque. But 
we all can now sit at a table and talk and plan and work together and and and, mm. and have the same political view or have the same view on things that benefit the Muslims, uh, all of us. Because now our challenges is not the minute challenges. Our challenges now is with hijab, with mm. niqab. Mm. You know, your challenges are on the basics of Islam and, and that mm. forced everyone to put their hands together. And once they put their hands together, they find, hang on a minute, this guy is not, um, you know, he's not bad. He's a good person. Yes. You know yes. what I mean? And yes, and probably he's far more religious than I, even though I claim that I'm on the haq and he has some bhaktiv, but hang, mm. hang on a minute. He's a very good person. And mm. and that di uh, discussions and dialogue and that brings hearts together and we can overlook some of the differences to work together to achieve a better um, conditions for Muslims. Mm. Yeah. So recently, uh, well, uh, I guess it's over a year ago now. But you know, the you had this massacre in Christchurch, New Zealand. The man was from Australia. What mm -hmm. was the reaction of uh, the Muslim community? You know, did was it something that caused them to maybe? Uh, wake up more or, or unite more what, what was the response 100% def definitely yeah. look um, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala have mercy on all the martyrs who um, uh, died in Christchurch may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant him the highest jannat um, <clears throat> of course calamity brings people together regardless yeah. calamity brings people together bring Muslims and non-Muslims and Muslims amongst themselves and the reaction of Christchurch was Amazing, even even from the right wing media, um, you found a lot of uh, sympathy or empathy, and 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 you found everyone started to come together within the Muslim community. It was a good reaction in a sense that all came together. Everyone traveled to Christchurch, and um, even the people you never expect, they traveled, they showed their condolences, and they started to, to unite and understand that this person did not discriminate between uh, which school thought you belonged to when he's, mm. you know, spraying his bullets. He just went as long as you're a Muslim. So now they understand that it is a challenge um, mm. that all Muslims need to step up to regardless. And yes, um, Calamity does bring people together, and that's what has happened. So are there are there like uh, do you find that uh, there is still a threat of these types of people with in Australia? You know oh, that definitely. have these extreme views. Definitely. definitely. I was looking at a particular study uh, showed that there's a tremendous amount of, for example, um, Muslims that uh, have been attacked. And uh, a lot of these attacks actually occur in public areas where there's cameras, there's security guards and, and whatnot. Um, how, how, how has your community been dealing you know, with, with, with this? Well, mainly what we, um, the community, and here when I say the community, I'm talking about the Imam Council usually um, releases media statement um, warning Masajid, warning Muslims, to be careful, to be to be a um, little bit more vigilant, and to avoid areas where there could be um, where it is known to have too many right wings, or um, uh, not to say white right wing, to say um, white supremacists who live mm. in it. You know what I mean? There are specific yeah. areas unknown that this is, 
you know, uh, specific areas. And but um, uh, uh, the community is a little bit more mature than going down stoop to these levels because when you find who are doing this, you find them uh, ignorant, silly people who actually did, don't know the reality of all Muslims. They've probably never met a Muslim in their life, some of them. Yes. And this is no excuse for their action. Um, the rise of uh, white supremacy or white extremism is actually very concerning. Even some of the reports are from the intelligence agencies. They say it is more threatening than uh, extreme uh, Islamic terrorism. So it is now sort of on top of their concern, apart from their issues with China. Um, yes. It is on top of the concern, um, the, the, the right wing extremism um, because they, they are forming. But I believe the government recently have been breaking them down and infiltrating them and they're breaking their cells and everything. So alhamdulillah, we haven't seen anything um, uh, since yani, recently, but uh, inshallah, um, after this COVID and everything, people um, and come back to sanity. Yes. One one thing that we found here in, in Canada is many of them have military training because they've infiltrated different ranks amongst the military. And so they come out of there and they share a lot of that, you know, military training and resources uh, amongst like, you know, their little militias or groups that they've created. So, um, you know, this is uh, when they've actually done the proper assessment uh, and because a lot of the Islamic quote unquote terror, terrorism is really blown out of proportion and it usually has a lot to do with budgetary reasoning for that. Mm -hmm. but when you look at some other independent studies here, they found that actually this white supremacist or far right threat is far greater um, and there are actually far more incidences of them, uh, you know, here in North America. See. See, the, 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 the thing, the good thing about Australia is we have some of the toughest gun laws ever. Yes. Here, I probably won't, and, and this is a ni'mah. This is a ni'mah yeah. that we have a very tough gun laws. Um, I know some people don't like it, but it is the truth. Although mm. I am, I am a person who like hunting and, 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 mm. and so on, but there are. Are you allowed to hunt with a gun or do you have to do bow and arrow? Uh, no, no, you can you can use this specific, just a normal rifle, hunting rifle. Yeah. Okay. And there are a lot of hoops you need to jump before you get uh, the license. But yes. at the same time, um, uh, because it is tough, gun laws is very hard, and anyone deals with arms, there are very high se sentencing, 14 years, 15 years, probably more, jail, and some of them is mandatory sentencing. So mm -hmm. even the judge cannot give, you know, any clemency or any. So. Mm -hmm this is one thing. Second thing, Australians generally um, they are more laid back than in America and they don't have this uh, American, the, 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 the American mentality. Yes, um, uh, sort of maybe uh, Australians, they originate uh, from the same sort of um, from Europe and so on, but Australians are, are much more laid back. They they're not interested in this um, uh, military or something violence. Yes, you're always going to have a few people who are well, we call nutcases, but they are Australians are not like that. Australians are mm. uh, generally peaceful. They like to just kick back and just finish work at home 
and live your life. Uh, this issue to, to go shooting and that it's it just happens to number of people who are not normal or something wrong with them. Um, yeah. Okay. Uh, and so uh, just to go back to uh, you were mentioning COVID. Uh, so now. Uh, are are you finding there's uh, we've been finding here in the west that there's been a lot of pressure on a lot of families so there's a lot of domestic issues that have been happening uh because you have like <laughs> just uh, more time for heads to bump so to speak uh do, have you found this uh, as well you're smiling so you're <laughs> yes yes i uh, the the thing is um we predicted this uh, in my practice here at work. The the yes. application for divorce have like oh, every really? day wow. two applications to yeah. for divorce to the court. And part of my work in the Imam Council also, we just we never had so many bookings yeah. for sisters seeking termination of marriage from their husbands. Wow. We wow. expected that. Also, disputes regarding leases and you know business disputes regarding leases because people can't afford it and and the law is not clear about it. Uh, the, the, the temporary um, law is not clear about certain things. And yes, it is a nightmare. It has affected a lot of people. Look, even even myself. The, some of the now every time I hear the word restriction, restriction or we're going to impose more restrictions, I just go, Ya Allah, not mm. again. You start getting that anxiety because mm. you need to go about your life. I mean, you yes. give khutbah and, and and you got half the mosque sitting one, you know, like separated yeah. from each other. It's just difficult. It, and then you see the pictures in the haram. The recent pictures and how people are doing. Do you have to do uh, social distancing uh, in Salah? Yes, we we have for a little period. Uh, they allow that they, they made social distancing as recommended, okay. and they said people in prayer they can join in prayer, like shoulder to shoulder. But now with um, with the new um, second wave, uh, they they banned that again. They said you have to keep one and a half meters. Um, each direction and then you need or one meter one and a half um, whatever it is and you can't have more than 100 people in one place at one time um, so we do three khutab we do three mm. khutab and we clean between each khutab uh, it's khutbah and yes they all we put axes on the ground um, on the carpet so that people where to stand and we recommend you bring your prayer mat and people need to register before they enter the masjid, put their phone number, name, phone number, or they have to download a specific app that the government um, put out there so and leave your Bluetooth on so they know who you contacted with and where you were basically they're watching you. Mm. Um, so yes, these are the restrictions. And we from do a, from a, from a fiqhi perspective, like for example, in the Jama'ah, what are what are your thoughts on that? Say if it's not mandatory but only recommended. Like from a fifty perspective, well, what what are your thoughts? Like uh, for us to have this, uh, you know, social distancing and salah. Well, look, um, uh, sort of. It wasn't. Uh, I don't. I don't like to make that call. Um, yeah. But I was part of the discussion with the Grand Mufti of Australia and some of our uh, great mashayikh here in Australia. So it was a collective fatwa that. Um, to maintain distancing and to as long as it is there to maintain distancing and even if it is recommended to give an option 
um, for the mosque to to apply. We didn't uh, the fatwa did not make it mandatory on the mosque, but to choose whether they want to do social distancing, uh, mm -hmm. subject to being um, recommended, not being uh, law. Um, but when it is uh, enforced as a law, now it yeah the fatwa sort of you need to keep that. And mm -hmm. alhamdulillah, I think Anik, uh, Sheikh Shadi and the Mufti and others, Anik meaning the Imam Council, um, they did a lot of hard work in the background to produce a lot of guidance to the community and uh, mm. a lot of um, sort of step-by-step -step guides were produced by the Imam Council and sent to the different mosques and different Imams so they can follow it or apply it. Yeah, so Alhamdulillah, there was we were one step ahead um, before anything, even when discussions early in March, when discussion of mm. shutdown were going around, I remember uh, the Imam Council met and uh, issued fatawi regarding that even before, subhanAllah, within 48 hours, then they imposed mm. uh, restrictions, total shutdown, but we were ready for it. And that is a mm. good thing. And that this is when, go back to your previous question, gives me a sign, yes, uh, we need more but we are moving in the right direction. We'd like to to move faster, but alhamdulillah, we even now sort of these things, maybe a few years back, you would never get that from this. Yes. Yeah. I, I feel really pleased the fact that you do have these types of councils that you are able to get some type of direction mm. uh, which people, uh, you know, pay attention to, you know, and, and, and it's actually a functional council. Like we have um, councils like that in Canada, but it's, it's more on the East Coast where there's more of the Muslims. West Coast, I think, is a little bit disconnected. But there's nothing really. I think maybe we also are a very spread out community all across Canada. It's one of the largest land masses in the world. So uh, it makes that a little bit uh, perhaps challenging. But it would, I think, go a long ways if we did have one council that was robust dealing with you know uh, relevant issues and people actually paid attention to it. It would make a big difference here. Uh, I wanted to actually get your uh, opinion on something that is trending because you have, a, I would say, a unique insight perhaps coming from a legal mind and also uh, from even an Islamic legal perspective, like a fiqh perspective. But uh, I'm sure you're aware of uh, the news coming out of Turkey where the Hagia Sophia has uh, reverted to a masjid. What are your thoughts on that? I mean, that's, uh, I mean, to, to be honest with you, I haven't thought about it. Yeah. I would like to visit Aya Sophia one day, but yeah. um, uh, uh, it's, it's, it's getting it's a lot of like uh, on social media and in the West, especially like it's getting a lot of, uh, you know, coverage. I think basically most Muslims are very, very happy, but then you have certain Muslims that um, are very outraged and they say this should never happen and they're worried about the blowback from, um, from non-Muslims, that's mainly their reason, reasoning for that, um, that why they're concerned. But it's, uh, Look, I mean, uh, you know the, what I mean. The, the 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 funny thing is yeah. that there are there are so many mosques who've been demolished. Yes. So many mosques were around the world. Yes. So many mosques were turned to um, museums. Yes. Uh, so many mosques have been. Um, uh, uh, they built on top of them uh, different religious uh, entities or places yeah. of worship. They do demolish them just because it is a Muslim place. Yeah. Um, so let's go back and talk about those. 
Yes. Before I talk about Hagia Sophia, let let let's yeah. go. Back. Hagia Sophia is a unique unique thing in a sense that it was a church, it was turned to a mosque, then it was turned to a museum, then went back to a mosque. Now, um, that is something the Turkish government has decided to turn it back to a mosque. If people are going to get offended about that, okay, why are you offended about that and you're not offended about all the mosques have been shut down? and uh, being some of them demolished and taken and turned into other religious and people are doing it out of hate not yes. out of turning a museum to a mosque yes Hagia Sophia was a museum was not a church originally it was a church so yes. it moved to a museum and the government decided to make it a mosque if people want to get upset about that there's nothing I can do and to be honest with you, even though I'm living here in Australia, nothing, I know it can be legally challenged, but there's nothing I can do if a government says, or a council says, I'm not uh, going to allow you to open a mosque here, mm. or to, or this mosque need to be changed or take the license away, you know, mm. on any legal ground. The government may turned it to a mosque as it used to be before 1934. There is a political message, of course, by what Odegaard is doing, that he's re sort of re-establishing the spirit of Islam. And I'm, I'm not saying, I'm, I'm very careful about my word, the spirit of Islam after Ataturk has um, killed it um, uh, and, and went to extreme secularism. Mm. Erdogan is, is not going, yani, he's not starting a khilafah as what they say, but he's trying yeah. to revive the spiritual, including cultural, Islam inside mm. Turkey and one of it is one of the landmarks is Hagia Sophia. Now um, he, he, he still have policies like we heard now returning the eager Muslims back to China. Okay, okay why now are we talking about that one? Complaining, why don't we stand up? Why, why don't I stand up to these people who are yes. returned to oppression and to be locked up? This is this is brick and mortar, Habibi. Tomorrow, if it be an earthquake, it'll be demolished. Uh, so, again, it goes back to the, the same point again. Who am I? What is my identity? I can't just, you know. And and why am I dealing with this hype? Why am I focus on the mosques being demolished? Yes, yes. So they're, they're mentioning know. that uh, that it's ironic that they're saying this, but many masajid in Greece. They closed down, they converted into churches, they Definitely. demolished them. Uh, there's many European countries where it's still banned to have a masjid, so they can mm -hmm. they cannot have a masjid. Many uh, masajid in Spain, Granada, they've been repurposed. Uh, museums, you know, they haven't been, they're no longer allowed to be places of worship. And one must, uh, I, I think also people fail to realize is that they still have it open to non-Muslims. And even though it's a, a place of uh, salah, that uh, if you go to the the Blue Mosque, it's also open to non-Muslims. So all their masajid actually are open to non-Muslims. So when the, the when they kind of tried to frame it that oh they're making this almost exclusionary move, you know, against non-Muslims. If you go to Turkey, actually, you know, Istanbul, all their masajid they're open to non-Muslims. Just the musalla area. It's for Muslims only. So the area that's reserved for Salah is uh, for Muslims. But they can go visit every single uh, masjid and uh, and they have free movement to go everywhere. Well, well, well this is this is again the, what you're saying is 100% correct. I mean, um, 
uh, uh, I don't when I when I look at uh, for example the reaction the reaction is really is not about mosque versus the museum the reaction is if I agree with Erdogan I'm more likely to support his decision and yeah. if I don't like Erdogan then I'm not going to support that decision that's yes. how I read it you know yes uh, talking about a museum to a mosque is the silliest discussion um, really I look at it is on the level above that what's behind it I even think that it I even believe even Erdogan's decision has a political agenda behind it it's not just he woke up one day and says okay we were gonna you know mm. I mean it's it's not it's it's been for over 100 years any 85 years it's been a um uh, a museum so what happened the, the idea is there is a political agenda and the people who don't like Erdogan are going to support any of his decisions uh, and and hang on it's not illegal to build a church in inside um, Turkey they, they still have their churches the Christian and uh, synagogues and, and everything so yeah there's actually a video uh, online of a, a Greek Orthodox priest uh, who was actually praising the decision for it to be a masjid because he said then at least people will come into it uh, more respectable. He said, you know, when it's a museum, you know, you have people dressed very badly, you know, they don't give it like a uh, respect, but at least if it's a masjid, people may give start giving it uh, more respect, you know, so. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, no, it's, it's interesting to see how yeah. everything becomes uh, politicized. Uh, but I think it goes back to what we said originally, is that uh, what lens are we looking at everything through? Are we looking at it from a lens that, oh, I'm a minority living in the West and how am I going to, like, how, I will, how will I be scrutinized? Or is my lens based on some core principles and identity? You know, I think that, like, an issue like this is just reflective of that, you know, of uh, that identity issue that you were talking about before. Exactly, yes. And... Um to to sort of um, uh, seal the um, the podcast, it, it is very important to know that even if you are a minority, the fortunate thing inside uh, countries like Canada, America, and Australia, you have the freedom um, to to move. So even if you're uh, a minority, it is to find the striking balance between being a minority, preserving your core values and be able to work in a wider community to serve your community and to be part and a contributor of the wider community. It's a, it, it is not easy to navigate, but we must navigate it if mm -hmm. we want to remain and exist. We want to remain as Muslims and we want to remain as people who are part of uh, the, uh, the the wider community that we live in and we positively contribute to the wider community at the same time without compromising who I am and uh, even if I'm a minority I still want to claim my rights as a minority and um, uh, 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 do my obligations as a minority towards the wider community so we need that balance and that balance we cannot expect the Muslim on the street the average Muslim to come up and and design that balance for us the community leaders, they need to step up, they need to, to do their research, their homework and put plan how things should work. Um, how is that in detail going to happen? It is happening, but it is happening more 
of haphazard or it's not mm. it's not in a strategic plan. One mm. day, inshallah, we'll get there. Um, inshallah. Hard work with brothers like you and, and everyone and, and many good brothers here in Australia and sisters um, were working hard to achieve that. And alhamdulillah, look, I, I, I could never be more proud to be a Muslim in Australia like now. Mm. Because yeah. I see many, many brilliant brothers and sisters who are taking up um, positions, who are working very hard, who you see them, they don't compromise their deen, but at the same mm. time, they, um, they, they, don't, they do not go to extreme and, and, and they are contributing and successful. And these people also working towards the greater good of the community, which is, which is, which is excellent. Mm. I think this, uh, you know, with social media, uh, I feel that uh, although there are many uh, liabilities with it, there's many shortcomings uh, with with social media. You know, I've seen the way that even the dawah has transformed in the past 20 years. You know, when I first got into the dawah, it was more of the hands-on, tarbiyah-based approach. And then as you, I've seen this as well. I've noticed this, that the the physical lectures and the physical programs in the gatherings have diminished to a certain degree. So we have like this trend happening, but I also feel that this is an amazing tool for us to collaborate with people in different parts of the ummah that you may have never uh, had a chance to meet before. Yes. And But yet you deeply share some very important core values where it might not be uh, so popular or like spread out uh, amongst people in, in, in your own uh, land, but you find enough of these people together, uh, it can reinforce that, you know, the, these these type of positive, uh, proactive thinking rather than just reactive thinking, you know? Yes, yeah, correct. I agree. Yeah. So, uh, we would love to have you in the future again on the podcast and we hope to be able to collaborate with you inshallah. again in the future, yeah. inshallah ta'ala. And uh, one day perhaps you can make that uh, long, long journey if you have the stamina across uh, the globe. You know, the I told the brothers, I, uh, um, to go to Canada has to be summer in Canada. Yeah cannot be winter otherwise i'll probably you, you, you sure you can't uh, you, you don't want to experience minus 40 degree minus 50 degree weather <laughs> habibi here if it gets to um five degrees in, in mm. then we all freeze yeah yeah you it know subhanallah, some some people when they visit like they're they're in such shock they're 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 in disbelief they're like almost like what is this Achi, what, what is this like does this this is even exist in the world like when they see how cold it is like your tears will freeze you know when it in sometimes when it gets so uh, so cold but you know subhanallah the, the summers are beautiful the summers are yeah. very very yeah. beautiful yeah, and, uh, I said, inshallah, inshallah in summer if things get better inshallah with covid maybe inshallah early next year whenever it is summer next year 2021 yeah. if allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us the life in the means inshallah Inshallah, the niya is there, and inshallah, inshallah the the ajr is uh, waiting for us. Inshallah. So jazakumullah once again, Sheikh. Uh, we appreciate the time that you spent with us. Eid uh, Mubarak to you and your family. We hope that the Muslims in Australia have a beautiful 
uh, Eid that's able to reinvigorate their spirits and inshallah our Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala can preserve our families because uh, I, I got worried that you, all these uh, people asking for divorce may, uh, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala keep our hearts united our, our family yeah. hearts and the, the Ummah Ameen. hearts inshallah Ameen. Ta'ala. Ameen. so um, to, to everyone else uh, we will see everyone next week inshallah ta'ala on the next uh, podcast remember as always we live by the haq we die by the haq and just when you think life is stuck, tune in to Life Haq. Jazakallah khair. Assalamu alaikum. Assalamu alaikum. Do I feel that the New York police are providing enough protection or do I have to have protection of my own? I look for protection from Allah.